0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 47 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. We've got a big show for everybody today. We've got MLR's all-time leading scorer, Sam Windsor, on the podcast. Uh, that interview's going to be coming up in a little bit, but like always, we'll start the show with the breakdowns. Breakdowns just kind of the roundup of, of weekly news, and again, I feel like I keep saying this for the last few weeks, but there's not a whole lot of news on the MLR side of things. Um, again, this week, but there's like always, there's a lot of signings going down every day. Um, no former Raptors were signed anywhere this week, so the last Raptor to sign somewhere was Sakurai Taulafa with Rugby United New York last week. Um, talked a little bit about that on the podcast last week, but um, the Raptor tracker has been updated, so make sure you go check that out if you're looking for for the news and, and just kind of a place to, to keep up with all the Raptors and where they're going as they're all on the move. So. Um, so, yeah, like I said, not a whole lot of MLR news this week. So, um, I want to take the opportunity to again talk about the Rugby Town 7's rebroadcast this weekend. So, Infinity Park, I know the production team has been working hard. They put together uh, the last year's 2019 broadcast, but they filled all the dead air with uh, brand new interviews and um, analysis and a whole bunch of different features. I know if you listen to the show, Down Stanford, I think three weeks ago, he talked a little bit about it. He's been working hard on that. Um, and all that kicks off tomorrow on Friday, August 21st at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. So depending on when you listen to this show, um, it will probably have already have started. So make sure you check that out on RugbyTown7s.com. I think it's also playing on InfinityPark.com, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but it'll be easy to find. I know if you follow the Infinity Park social media channels, they'll be directing you to it. So uh, that's coming up. And with that, we the DNVR bar will be streaming that tournament on Saturday and Sunday. So I'll be there all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Uh, you have to RSVP on Eventbrite, though. There's a link floating around. I know we've been tweeting it from the DNVR rugby account. DNVR sports have been tweeting it. And then I saw Infinity Park was putting it out yesterday as well. So make sure you're RSVP. There's only 50 spots available for both days because that's kind of how this works in COVID times, unfortunately. But uh, sign up, come hang out. If you've never watched rugby before, especially Sevens, I encourage you to come check it out. This will be a pretty cool event, and it's kind of fun because it already happened, so there's no, like, real pressure. But all the games are really good. And if you have any questions at all, I'll be there. Try to help answer them the best I can. Um, so, yeah, it will be a good day. It will be a good couple days. and um, So I'm, gonna about, I'm looking forward to drinking some beer, eating some uh, good food out at the DNVR bar on Colfax and York Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. I think it's scheduled to go to 05, but I know the broadcast is scheduled to run a little longer. Um, so, yeah, just come out, watch some rugby. It should be a good time. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of what's I'll, – I'll plug that earlier. I'll talk a little bit about it again and at the end of the show in the loop, but uh, it's kind of the first two things of the breakdown. Third thing we'll touch on is kind of what we touch on every week, and that's our weekly Super Rugby update. Uh, so Super Rugby out, Ted Roa, wrapped up last weekend – As I kind of talked about on the show last weekend, I assumed that the Blues and the Crusaders weren't going to play their match because it was kind of a pointless match. Um, And with the COVID surgeon back up again in New Zealand, they didn't want to take any chances in Auckland. So that match uh, wasn't played. I know I was tweeting about it last weekend when it happened. Like I talked about on the show, it was going to come out after I recorded the show. Like I said, I waited as long as I could last week. But uh, that's how the news was going to go. So that one didn't play. But the Highlanders and the Hurricanes did play. The Highlanders beat the Hurricanes 38 to 21. Kind of put the finishing touches on that competition. So here's how the table ended up looking um, after round 10. Sort of half of round 10 didn't happen, but so the Crusaders won the competition. They won that in round nine. Uh, so they were finished in first place. They went six and one, 71 point differential. Uh, they had 30 table points. So then the Blues finished in second place. They went five and two. Um, 20 plus plus 27-point differential, and they had 24 points on the table. The Hurricanes finished in third place. They went 5-3. and three. They had a minus 11-point differential and finished with 21 table points. Highlanders went 3-5, and five, uh, finished with a minus 30-point differential, and finished with 14 table points. And then the Chiefs, poor Chiefs, they went 0-8, didn't win a game, finished with a minus 57-point differential, and only finished with five points on the table. So that's kind of how Super Rugby Aotearoa finished up. Uh, rest in peace to Super Rugby Aotearoa. It was a good run. I know I enjoyed watching it while I was on. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. I know there's a lot of like shuffling. They're talking about a lot of shuffling in Super Rugby, so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. But Super Rugby Australia still going strong. They're in round eight this weekend. Um, the The fixtures for this weekend will be the Western Force versus the Reds at 3:05 a.m. on Friday. So as always, the first. Uh, match of the Super Rugby weekend is always done by the time everyone listens to the show unless you listen to it as soon as it drops on midnight But uh, I wouldn't do that So uh, That's the first fixture of the weekend second one we got the Brumbies versus the Waratah, So that's at 315 a.m. on Saturday so Make sure you can catch all that stuff on ESPN plus and then I'll give you a quick uh, Rundown of the Super Rugby Australia table because why not so the Brumbies are in first place Sitting at four and one with 18 points in the table. We've got the Reds in second place. They have three wins, one draw, and two losses. they got 16 table points. Then we got the Waratahs. They're three and three with uh, 15 table points. Then we've got the Rebels. They're three with one draw and two losses. They've got 14 table points. And then we've got Western Force, who are having a ch- season like the Chiefs, unfortunately. They're 0-5, and, and they got two table points. But As you can see, uh, one through four, it's really anyone's competition still. Um, So if you haven't been keeping up with it, maybe now's the time. There's only a couple weeks left, and it's pretty exciting. Like I just mentioned, a lot lot of teams still in the running. Table points are are very close, Uh, so make sure you go ahead and check that out. Like I just mentioned, all those matches will be available on ESPN+. Um, And and so that's kind of what's going on with the Super Rugby update. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the uh, premiership rugby update, which is our, our new thing that we're about to be doing since Premiership started up last week. So, back again this weekend. I didn't have the chance to watch any rugby last weekend because I was out of town, so I didn't see any of the Premiership stuff. But I'm looking forward to catching up this weekend. And so here we go with these uh, names of these teams again. So don't make fun of me too much. We got Sale vs Exeter at 11 a.m. on Friday. We got Gloucester vs Bristol at 12:45 p.m. on Friday. We've got Wasp versus Worcester on at, also at 12.45 p.m. on Friday. We've got Saracens versus Harlequins at 5.30 a.m. on Saturday. We've got London Irish versus Northampton at 7 a.m. on Saturday. And then we got Leicester versus Bath at 9.30 a.m. on Saturday. So you can catch all those matches on NBC Sports Gold. I know I talked a little bit about that last week. Um, but if you're looking for something to watch this weekend early in the morning – might as well check it out on Saturday and the uh, afternoon matches on Friday. And then, on top of all that, Pro 14 returns this weekend as well, something I talked about on the show two weeks ago. And so they'll be back with four different fixtures. They've got Benetton versus Zebra at noon on Friday. The Glasgow Warriors versus Edinburgh at Saturday, on Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. we got Leinster versus Munster on Saturday at 12, 35 p.m., then we've got Canuck versus Ulster at, on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. to kind of wrap up the week in a rugby. Um, I thought Pro 14 would be available on ESPN+. Plus. I know they signed a deal, a three-year deal, I think it was, in 20, uh, 2018. But I know it's kind of weird. Super Rugby was doing the same thing. Super Rugby you know, usually on ESPN+. Plus. It's how we've been able to watch it these last 10, 11 weeks. But I, I assume COVID throws this off, too. It, it probably messes up broadcasting deals and all that. So um, I'm not seeing it as of today. And, again, I'm recording this on a Thursday afternoon. But hopefully, I mean, hopefully it comes up on ESPN+. Plus. I'm, I'm not seeing it on the schedule, but anything can happen. I know Super Rugby went right down to the wire as well. Um, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, of course, and, and I'll tweet anything that I see. So that wraps up the breakdown for this week, kind of relatively short one. Um Like I mentioned, not not a whole lot in the MLR side of things, but we talked a little about rugby elsewhere in the world. And so, With that, we'll go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. I'm happy to, like I mentioned on the top of the show, I'm excited to have Mr. Houston Sabercat, Sam Windsor, on this week's episode. Sam's played in every MLR match that the Houston Sabercats have been a part of and is Major League Rugby's all-time leading scorer with 320 points. Sam's a great guy. Um, I know when I was working at MLR, I, I would reach out to him quite a bit just to get some insight on the Sabercats stuff, and he's always been very generous just with his time. He's always taken the time out of his day to come uh, chat on the phone, even when it's inconvenient. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful that he did it again, and, and so it was good to catch up because I haven't talked to him since uh, MLR ended last year. I think the Sabercats played the Raptors in kind of a weird game where this, I think Houston had played like, four games in like 12 days or something like that, and they played the Raptors in like a midweek match. Um, I think he was on a road trip with his parents at the time, but still, like I mentioned before, still took the time out to chat with me on the phone for a few minutes just about the end of their season. He's got a very interesting backstory. He's played rugby in a lot of different places around the world, um, and it has a very unique outlook on life because of it. Uh, And I just really enjoyed the conversation. It's kind of a longer one, but I I like that. I like when the interviews go a little longer. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and kick it into my interview with Houston Sabercats fly half and MLR's all-time leading scorer, Sam Windsor. All right. Now, welcome on to the show, Houston Sabercats fly half, Sam Windsor. Sam, how are you doing?
1: Good, Colton. Thanks for having me on, mate. How are you? I'm great.
0: Thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to come chat with me. I know it's been quite a while. Um, I haven't cha- I haven't caught up with intriguing. you in a while, so I'm looking forward to the conversation.
1: Yeah, well, your uh, your roles changed a little more than mine has, I guess. So, yes, uh, that is true. I'm in, I'm intrigued to hear a little bit more from your side of things. I know it's not really the case when you get asked to be on a podcast. You don't really hear people asking too much yeah. about the presenters or what they've been up to. So, hey, we might uh, we might change the change the trend a little bit, but. Um, Yeah, I mean, obviously the the cutoff of the season was obviously a big talking point from this season, so uh, I'm sure we'll get into that a bit later on. But it's been a a normal summer in Houston, really. It's been hot, humid, Um, and uh, yeah, just business as usual, as if the season had finished normally for us. So yeah. preparing for next year already.
0: Certainly, yeah. And, and I know we're look, I'm looking forward to getting into all that. And so, yes, feel free, ask me whatever ever questions you'd like. Um, so just starting off, first question we ask everybody that comes on the show, is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from?
1: Yeah, sure. I was uh, I was born in Canberra, uh, the capital of Australia, surprise to some people I'm sure. But I uh, <laughs> grew up about 30, 35 minutes east of Canberra in a little town called Bungendore. Uh, Mum and dad were both from Sydney but moved to moved down to Canberra in the early 1980s and then got a bit of land just outside of town where they still live and where I grew up. Um, yeah, still a lovely part of the world on a on a, a freshwater lake, which when I grew up was full and then it's subsequently become pretty empty and dry out there. But they've had a really wet winter, so the lake's back. Um, yeah, beautiful part of the world, peace and quiet, Um Got married there a couple of years ago uh, to my wife, so it's a special place for me and my family and somewhere that I miss and look forward to going back and visiting. Probably won't live there when I move back to Australia eventually, but um, yeah, yeah, it's always a nice place to go home and, and mum and dad are still there, so it's great.
0: Yeah, that sounds like good living for sure. Um, yeah. how, how'd you get into rugby? I guess, when did you get into rugby? What was kind of, you know, yeah, just ha- your rugby origin story, I guess, is, is the way to ask that. Yeah,
1: so I, I started playing, I grew up, playing soccer I guess was the first sport mum and dad put me into I've got an older brother who's two years older than me yet we grew up together and you know have been mistaken for twins uh, I guess since I was born really um, so I've been called Rich from probably more of my life than I've been called Sam which is quite funny but played soccer in Rich's in Rich's team uh, we both started out and then after two seasons of playing soccer moved to rugby dad played rugby growing up in, in high school and then when he graduated and when he travelled to uh, North America, who played a bit of rugby up in Canada, um, and then some relatives of mine have played some representative rugby for uh, various teams in Australia. Sort of early on in the '90s, way back when. Um, so history in the family was rugby. So I guess we're always destined to pick up the oval-shaped ball and and steer clear of the round one. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was seven seven years old. I played uh, in my in the under nine team with my brother for the Queen and Whites. Um, that was my junior club, and then uh, ended up being my senior club as well once I graduated high school. So I played for the high school rugby team, uh, and then when I graduated high school, went back and played played grade footy for uh, for the Queenian Whites, yes. who have uh, a pretty pretty long list of uh, well known players that have played for them. The home fields called David Campese Field. Uh-huh. So David Campese is from Queanbeyan, so he played there. Um, Matt Giddo, one of my first games after high school um, as a 19 year old. I got to play fly half. you know, who was playing inside centre as he was coming back from injury wow. uh, for the Brumbies. So he coached me in year seven. So when I was, I guess, middle school, you called it in America. So my first year of high school in Australia, he was the, a senior at high school. So he was the team coach. Uh, his younger brother was in my year. So I, I guess we knew of each other and I knew Ooh. each other before then. But, you know, as a 19 year old to play inside, you know, the, 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 at the time was the current Wallabies starting inside centre, and he kind of burst on the scene uh, around that time. So that was pretty cool. The Fahenga twins, uh, Sayer and Anthony, uh, who I think Sayer's still playing. Anthony's retired. Uh, They both played for the Queen and Whites, both uh, World Cup Wallabies uh, and Super Rugby players and have played across Europe and Japan. And then you go way back a little bit longer, some Rugby League legends. um, Ricky Stewart, Don Ferner, um, two other Canberra legends have played, uh, played for the Queen and White, so it's got a lot of history
2: Yeah,
1: uh, a lot of representatives across uh, across different uh, countries and and competitions but uh, yeah, they're, they're in the midst of their competition, they started back up after COVID took over, uh, so I still keep uh, one eye on the, the Canberra competition to see how my mates are going and, and see how the Queensland are going, but uh, yeah I played for them when I came out of high school, uh, whilst also training with the Brumbies Academy, so um, kind of juggled full time slash part time work and training with the academy set, set up at the Brumbies to then, uh, you know, Tuesday Thursday night trainings with the Queensland team to play on the weekends. Wow! Uh, so learn a lot, learn a lot there. Had a good time and, and my best mates uh, still involved with the club. So a very awesome. special club in my heart. And uh, look forward to the day I get to go back and either watch or, or have a run around for their fourth grade team or the third grade team <laughs> with all the old washed up players. Yeah, uh, and, and relive some of the glory days.
0: <laughs> yeah that sounds awesome that's nice um another thing I want to ask you Sam just kind of I know from our conversation last year um you have a very interesting rugby career just kind of where it's taken you since since that timeline that you just ended so I just kind of wondering like where rugby has taken you in your life
1: yeah it's, I mean it's taken me all over the world which is the beauty of the game we we love and, and play so I uh you know I tried my best and I thought I did all I could to try and get a start in super rugby and, and crack into a super rugby team, which was the Brumbies for the most part of mm-hmm. you know my late teens to early 20s. Um, I wasn't to be, so I took an opportunity to go to Sydney, play some club footy uh, for Eastern Suburbs, who my dad played for when he was 21, 22. Um, so it kind of had a historic uh, value to me there. Uh, but then went to Blackheath Rugby Club. Rich, who I'm quite close with, was over there playing rugby and working Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seemed like a good opportunity uh, and experience for me to go over and, and live in London, play uh, play a good standard of rugby. National ones, the third tier of rugby in England. Um, so you've got some really good competi- competitive games all the, way, all the way all around the UK or or England. So you go out to Newcastle, out to the West Country, the Midlands. Some really tough away trips. But um, so that was two years at Blackheath, which I learned uh, a lot about my game. You know, you, you play rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. Hemisphere you, uh, you fine-tune some aspects of your game that you probably wouldn't spend too much time on in Australia just due to the weather and the conditions and right. the, the field that you play on and stuff. So uh, really good time there. Again, lots of guys I still keep in touch with. My coach there um, was actually Mike Friday, so I've got a good relationship oh, with Mike. Wow. A lot of the American rugby fans know Mike Friday and, and the work he's doing with the Sevens team. So got to learn from Mike for two years, um, and I guess that's, you know, where I first learned about his Yakki yard. Uh we had a couple of bleak Tuesday, Thursday nights, uh in cold, wet, rainy, snow conditions in London, being really? barked at by Mike. So uh Geezer's <laughs> a, a good bloke and still keep in touch with him um and lean on him a bit for some advice, um, uh, especially when I was looking to come over to the States. So
2: yeah.
1: had two good years at Blackheath and then went back to um back to Australia to help out the Queen Whites again. They were struggling for some for some senior players if you like, so I went back and helped Queenbean and then again tried tried to crack back into the Brumbies setup and uh spent a full preseason with the Brumbies and unfortunately had missed out on, on a on a contract or playing any super rugby. But mm-hmm. uh, Jake White was the coach then so got to got to play under Jake White and play alongside players of Christian Lee Hafano, Matsumua, David Kurindrani, um David Pocock I think had just signed for the Brumbies then. So he was around Scott Fardy's doing well over in uh, in Leinster. Um, you know, some household names in Australian yeah. rugby, who for me, you know, grew up watching, you know, two or three years previous and, and kind of aspired to play alongside him. So, really good opportunity for me. Again, learned a lot, but again, sort of came to the same conclusion of being overlooked for, <clears throat> for a spot in, you know, and then taking someone from either out of state or or someone else. So, that's the hard realities of rugby. And, you know, yeah. I took it in my stride, learned what I did, and then. I was working at the time, I was studying actually at University of Canberra doing a um a science Bachelor of Science in sport and exercise, um at the University of Canberra and then I have a passion for coffee and had worked in a coffee shop from the age of, you know, ten or eleven washing dishes, making milkshakes. Yeah. Um, so I had a you know i um, a self self confessed coffee snob if you like. So <laughs> a new coffee shop was opening up on, on campus. Uh and it was Marco Caputo was opening it. He was a hooker for the Wallabies and the Brumpies oh. back in the 90s. Um, so I just approached him one day as he was kind of uh, kind of finishing the fit out for the shop. I was like, hey, mate, you know, you need any baristas? I'm studying here and training, and, you know, I can make a decent coffee, so if you need baristas, I'm I'm open. So I started working for for Marco and, and his coffee shop while I was studying, um, and then through his contacts, he got me an opportunity to go over to Leinster wow. in Dublin uh, as injury cover through the Six Nations block. So that was January of 2014. Um, so again, packed up, packed up my stuff, went back to Europe for for my uh, for my second stint, um, and got to uh, yeah got to get involved with the Leinster setup, and then play my rugby uh, for Trinity College or Dublin University. So quite a historic club between Trinity and Blackheath are the two oldest rugby clubs. Uh, going around, I think yeah. uh, Trinity is a college team and Blackhead the oldest open team, so a couple of good neat little feathers in my bow there um, <laughs> to play for both those teams, but um, didn't get any any senior caps for Leinster. played a couple of a league games uh, reserve team games for them, um, but shared a change room with you know, Brian O'Driscoll the Carney brothers, Ian Madigan yeah. uh, some, some you know, Leo Cullen was still band De- Dev toner Sean O'Brien and. Um, you know all stars of the island set up Gordon darcy um another one of their good backs um, yeah, so again, another five months for me to kind of learn uh and kind of see what it takes to to get to that next level or be the be the professional that I kind of aspired to be um, but you know it wasn't to be at that time and and you know another opportunity presented itself back in Australia, a new professional league was starting up so kind of to follow below Super Rugby called the National Rugby Championship or the NRC, um, so kind of a second-tier competition. And uh, the coach for my club team, Ethan suburbs in Sydney, was a coach of uh, the Country Eagles. Um, mm-hmm. So Bungendore's in New South Wales, despite being very close to the ACT, two different states and territories. So New South, Welshmen are quite passionate, and then ACT is more of a territory. So you've got the rivalry, Queensland, New South Wales, state of origin and whatnot. So being a country guy is what I... Consider myself so getting an opportunity to play for the Country Eagles, um, I thought was really valuable for me, um, and an opportunity again to kind of get back into the Super Rugby pipeline and, and push for a contract. You know, whether it's with the Bumbies or the Waratahs or the Reds or the Rebels,
2: wow.
1: one of the teams I thought if I play well, then surely this time around someone's got to uh, got, got to come knocking and, and want to take me on. So, I actually, had a really good a really good uh, season. In the inaugural season for the NRC, so we were probably the underdogs going into the season. We had a, mm-hmm. you know, a few no-name players running about, a couple of old heads in the team, um, and yeah, we surprised a lot of people. We we made it to the semi-finals and, and lost a close match to the eventual winners. But um, I got to wow. play every game. Started at fly half for Country Eagles, um, kicked well, played well, um, and yeah, thought you know for sure I was going to get a you know an invite or or at least a look in at, at one of the other teams, but. Um, Unfortunately no one no one wanted to to take a punt on a late twenties uh fly half, which was disappointing. Uh, right. Again, something I'd become accustomed to. So my agent at the time had managed to get me a again, an injury cover sort of medical joker deal with Worcester Warriors in the UK. So they're in the championship. They'd just been relegated um with the ambition to probably go straight back to the premiership yeah. uh, that season. So a friend of mine that I played the blackies and one of my good mates here was at Worcester. So it seemed like a good fit for me. I had a place to live. I knew, I knew, I knew a guy there and, and packed up and went back to the, went back to Europe. Um, and that was the last time I was home full time. So that was December of 2014 is when I left, I left Bangalore to fly to, fly to the UK. Wow. and it's been uh, almost yeah. six years then. Yeah. Six years since I've, since I've lived in Australia full time for sure. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately I I I got a game early was it before I think it was before Christmas. So I got there probably middle of December and they had an A League game on a Monday night against Bristol mm-hmm. uh who were also in the championship at that stage and kind of that was the start of their rise to where they are now really, uh despite Worcester beating them that year in the playoffs. I played on a Monday night, played about ten minutes, was playing quite well, made a bit of a made a break. Uh, then we set up a play, which then I got an offload from uh, from someone else, scored a try. But as I was reaching out to score the try, one of the defenders flew in from behind and was on the ground and just obliterated my shoulder, oh. which I'd had problems with through my career. and a couple of surgeries on it before this, but did a proper number. I don't think any amount of surgery or tape or anything would have held the, the shoulder in place after that. So that would have been the end of my Worcester career. I'd, uh, I'd go get surgery just after New Year's Eve. Um, rehab and train and we're still with the squad, was still a member of the squad and had an option uh, of, a, of another year if I wanted to stay there. Um, but they'd been promoted to the premiership. So the premiership has different rules, uh, similar to the MLR about foreign players yeah. playing, uh, playing in the squad. So I've got an Irish passport and an Australian passport. So even though I was Irish, I'm not English qualified. So I would still consider a foreign player and I kind of, sort Of writing on the wall with the squad that was being put together and where I kind of sat in among you know in the pecking order,
2: yeah.
1: And maybe I should have been a little more confident with it and and uh and and sort of said, you know what, I could, you know, I was good or if not better than the players that are ahead of me. Um, but then the players, the foreign players they had in other things to me were probably going to get priority over me as a fly half if they had a an English qualified fly half to play ahead of me, right? Um for the most part, so with my Irish heritage, um, despite having shoulder operation in January, February came around and Ulster and in Belfast reached out and uh, and were keen to sign me uh, to a one-year deal. So that was for the following season, starting in June. Um, so that was for me; it was a bit of thought, and I you know consulted a few different people and and felt the best bet for me to kind of put down some roots and, and get stuck into a you know a team for a long period of time was going to be. Um, go to Ulster,
2: right.
1: um, and been to Northern Ireland. Obviously, I had history of going to going to Dublin and being in, in in at the Leinster, in in the Leinster setup. So this was a, an exciting opportunity for me. Um, Rory Murphy's a prop uh, played for the Brumbies uh, while I was there as well. He was at Ulster, another Irish Australian guy. So again, a familiar face uh, and someone I could kind of lean on to get some advice about it at all. Yeah. probably make that decision. So yeah, that summer after a trip to America to to visit Becca, my now wife, I moved from uh, from the west country of England up to the northern parts of Ireland, to Northern Ireland and Belfast, and was there for a year. A year, and then I I, re- I signed for a second year um, towards the end of my first season there. So they'd seen some potential in me. I was you know training well, playing well. Had you you know every now and then a niggling injury that kept me out for a few weeks and and whatnot, but. You know, I was really confident of you know, kind of bursting into the the first team and getting some some quality time and quality experience. But um, year two came around and that those those opportunities didn't present themselves, um, which got quite frustrating for me.
2: Yeah,
1: I can uh, I you know, work? Yeah, working hard, playing well, thinking you, know, thinking you deserve a shot, and then not getting it. Um, and you know, to be honest, the guys that were playing ahead of me were guys who were playing for Ireland. You know, so it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like you know, I wasn't being done dirty by the coach, but you know, there is a sort, you know, there is a sense of biasness to local players. For sure, and by local, I mean local to Belfast. And you know, despite me having Irish, you know, Irish passport and being being a you know an Irish qualified player, there's still a an uncertainty or an unknown fact that, to me, having only been in the the system for 12 months or even less, mm-hmm. um, and that for me, in a place like Belfast, which is kind of wet and dreary, and yeah. And, and pretty easy to get down on yourself yep. kind of played a big role in, in me coming to the States. So Becca and I, we got engaged in November of, of, uh, 27, 2016. I went back to Australia for a couple of weeks in a, in a, in a bye week and, um, we got engaged there and then we kind of talked about her moving to Belfast full time and, and looked into getting her visas and her getting set up and stuff. Mm-hmm. um, and then we also talked about maybe moving to the states. So pro rugby had, had probably just been happening, or maybe just been finishing. Um,
0: yeah, that sounds about right.
1: So I, yeah, so I knew, I knew the professional game was was going to, you know, eventually going to happen in the states. So it was kind of a, you know, okay, well maybe I can go to the states if if pro rugby doesn't happen, something will take its place, or pro rugby will go around again, and it'll be better than the first year, or whatever might happen. That were kind of the thoughts going through my head, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd kind of exhausted my effort at Ulster because I hadn't been getting the, the, the games I wanted to to put in good performances and get some consistency to my game. Um played a handful of games for the senior team in the in the in the pro four team, traveled with the team um as reserve for a couple of the European Cup games, great experiences, uh but ultimately couldn't put together two or three games at the top level to really Get used to that that pace of play and that physicality and that uh, just that level of rugby. So if I wasn't playing for them, I'd go back and play club footy. So it's quite a drop down in standard, and it's really hard to get consistent and good at the top level when you're not playing the top level all the time. So right. that became really frustrating for me. Um, so I made a, a an educated decision to end my second year of my contract about six months early. Um, so mutual, it was a mutual agreement between. Myself and the, and, and the old stuff Ulster, um, and yeah, pack up and move to the states to to see what to see what we could uh, see what we could achieve out here. So yeah. Becca was living in in Las Vegas at the time with her mum, and she'd been there for a few years working, uh, living and working. So that was the base for the first couple of months. Uh, probably not even that long, actually. Probably two or three weeks we we spent in in Vegas, kind of looking at our options and and me kind of sending emails and and just kind of doing some research into rugby in America, whether it was club footy or pro footy. Yeah. Uh, reached out to a bunch of different teams and we did a cross-country trip for Christmas from Arizona across to uh, to Charlotte, up to New York and then back, um, which was great fun, yeah. seeing some of her family and stuff along the way. And then back, I came by Austin, actually. So I'd reached out to the coach of the Huns at the time. They were, I think that was their championship year of 2017. Um, they won the national club championship that year, so I actually went to a training session uh, at their field, met the coach, met some of the players, and it was just kind of a, my interest in you know whether there was a possibility that you know they could accommodate me as a player and maybe move to Austin. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of filled up all their players, and you know, I could have stayed if I wanted, but it wasn't really something that was going to suit Becca and I at the time. So we we kept driving and went back to to Vegas where where we were based and. Fitzy, Justin Fitzpatrick was a, a mutual friend of a guy that I'd worked with at Ulster. Um, so he put me in touch with Justin up in Seattle. So we packed up our things and moved to Seattle uh, in January of, of, 20, of 2017. So
2: yeah,
1: um, that's where I met Justin. Matt Trouble, uh, he and I actually trained together at the Brumbies way, way back before he came to the States. And then another player for the Seattle team actually played for Queen and Whites with my brother before I graduated high school. So wow. tiny, tiny world of, of the, you know, the rugby community, you always bump into people that, um, that either you've played with or your brothers played with or friends have played with and whatnot. So again, I had a sort of sense of familiarity at, at, at the Saracens, and it was an opportunity to, uh, yeah, to get stuck into footy here and, and kind of launch into the pro league as, you know, when it, when it would eventually happened. So, yeah. um, Seattle, were invested in the MLR, and so I got a bit of insight into the league and what was happening and what teams were going to be involved. Um, and Justin obviously took the Houston job, and I was sort of playing and coaching the backs at the Saracens up in Seattle. So when he took the job down here, he you know propositioned me in terms of coming down, coming down and being a player coach here in Houston. And uh, three years later, I'm still here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've grown and the league's grown and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's been a lot of, a lot of hard work and, you know, effort and commitment to kind of get where we are. Yeah. Um, I guess as an organization and a league, um, but, you know, super exciting to see the growth um, across the country and, and people really getting behind the sport here in America and getting to get, you know, banding together to, you know, work together to make it work, to make it viable, to make supporters come, to introduce it to people who might not have the opportunity or had the opportunity to see rugby before.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, yeah, which for me was, was great. And I guess that's probably the, the, the most valuable factor.
0: One thing I know a couple of episodes ago we were talking about this Christian Sarmento and one of the things he said that I really liked is that no matter where you go – um rugby will, will take you wherever you want to go and it'll put you in touch with good people and your story kind of like epitomizes that. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I mean it's a long winded one and it's one when some people might look at it like, well, okay, you know, maybe you're good enough and, you know, it wasn't, you know, to get selected or, you know, maybe you should have stuck it out and, you know, worked a bit harder to try and get another and those kind of thoughts have gone through my head. Um, you know, heaps over the years, like you know, maybe I wasn't working hard enough, or maybe I wasn't training hard enough, or maybe I could have been doing more. Um, and at the end of the day, I either didn't, or that wasn't the case, and it's led me to where I am now. So, right. you know, I've got to, you know, be with my wife, start our lives, uh, and then grow, you know, grow something like the Sabercats from, from day one. Seriously, and make it something that I'm, you know, trying to take the best parts from all the places I've been and, and trying to leave out the, the bad parts and, and make it somewhere where people want to come and play something that's going to be success where fans can enjoy it um, and play a brand of footy that people are going to recognize and, and enjoy.
0: Yeah. So, I, I agree with yeah, you hundred percent. And I think that's, I mean, that's the best way to look at it. I think that's kind of the only way to look at it too. And um, yeah. yeah, it's an awesome story and and, and it's just weird. Yeah. Like, It just all kind of has worked out perfectly, it seems like.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, yeah, I'm happy. And I don't, you know, you've always got regrets in life, but, you know, if you spend too much time dwelling on your regrets or things that have happened, then, you know, you're not going to go too far or or, or find any success in what you do next. So, yeah, moved on. Keep in touch with all my mates back in Belfast, in Worcester, in Blackheath. Uh, still talk to guys that I played with at Leinster and back in Australia at the Brumbies and stuff. So, um, you know, very fortunate to have walked the path I have and, uh, you know, looking forward to, you know, the next part of that journey and seeing where, you know, how far I can take my game while I'm still here and still able and
0: still fit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And You got plenty of good years left in you. It looks like. So I know one of the one other things I wanted to ask you just, I know you just talked about you played so much rugby in a lot of different places all over the world. Um, but is there a couple of memories that that's kind of stick out at the top of your mind? Uh, and I like asking people this because it's always so different for everybody. Some people it's a yeah. high school match. Some people, you know, it's a club match, you know, it, it could be anything.
1: I think, um, yeah, and I've, I've got a lot, you know, a lot of Fond memories of playing lots of different levels of footy. When I went back to Australia in in 2014, back to Eastern Suburbs, they were on a bit of a rough, a rough uh, stretch of results. And we came up against Manly, one of the other club teams, who were they were undefeated ten or twelve rounds into the comp, I think. Is that the um, so uh, is that you know, the
0: Marlins? I'm sorry to cut you off.
1: Manly Marlins, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah that's, that's a that's a um, Luke
0: White. Luke White taught me that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, Greg Peterson was actually on the Marlins the day I played. We played them that that Saturday, okay. um, so they were in they were in red hot form. And I had a couple of mates I played for them, so you know we were no chance to win the match. But uh, it was one of the boys, uh, Richard Stanford, who played with the Brumbies, played with the Waratahs. Uh, he actually signed for Utah this season, just kind of moved to Utah. But I'm not sure he played any matches. Older bloke um, uh-huh. now, he probably won't like me saying that. But <laughs> he'll get over it. It was his 100th. It was his 100th first grade game for Eastern Suburbs, so. Um You know it was a special moment for us as a club and for him obviously and um we were down i think we we're down two points with two or three minutes left, and we were in there half attacking 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 and I got the ball about twenty five out I guess, and mm-hmm. just hit the best drop goal I've ever hit you know they don't <laughs> come off that often they don't come off that well, but right. managed to kick this drop goal for us to go up by one point with a couple of minutes uh couple minutes left, so manly kicked off we got the ball back secured it kicked it out um and had a you know had a good victory, Richard's hundredth game, um, which was great. So that's one that sort of sits with me pretty fondly. Uh, and then I go back to uh, high school, winning the you know winning our our high school uh, sort of regional match against the, the rival school. Yeah, um, you know, fond memories of that. Um, nice. and something Blackheath was a Blackheath was a really special time, I guess for me learning. You know wins and losses and working hard. So we were again on a bit of a rough patch coming into Christmas and lost to a team we shouldn't have. And Mike cracked the whip and made us do this conditioning test every Tuesday night <laughs> before we started practice for the next for the next three months more or less. And we ended up winning our last eleven games. Wow! With bonus points um, the whole way through. So we ended it's up third on the table, I think. Yeah, and it was just a mentality <laughs> thing. And it was this, and you know, you can work hard. And right. I guess we bonded as a as a team then and. Um, you know, I'll never forget those those nights rain, sleet, hail, um, muddy pitches, and then, yeah, yeah. bonus point victories the rest of the my home was great. Uh, so fond memories there. Uh, the first game at, at Constellation Field for the Sabercats against, uh, against Seattle, uh, uh-huh. Saracens, you know, we had 5,000 people there. Wow. Uh, the atmosphere was just a trick that night. It was, you know, there was proper carnival atmosphere, music, fireworks, um, and we, you know, we had a we had a long build-up and a lot of anticipation into how things were going to pan out, and it just was the perfect match in the end. You know, we smashed. You know, yes, we were more of a professional outfit than than Seattle, but you know, you still got to perform like right. that and play like that. And we, uh, you know, we scored, but, yeah, cross for the first try, which was special um, against a lot of guys I played with. You know, 12 months right. earlier, and then uh, you know, we we I think we beat them by 40 points in the end with a cool fireworks display after, and just. Crowd was you know, electric, and you know it was, it was kind of set the tone for what was to come. I think for the MLR and a lot of the other teams. So um, yeah, special memories of that, and then just just the places I've been. Um, yeah, you know, getting to play play at, at Ravenhill Stadium, that's now the Kingspan Stadium, but you know sixteen to seventeen thousand people in a full you know, that's capacity of just passionate rugby supporters singing and the brass band playing playing against glasgow or whoever else was coming across being there for Lens, the games or local derby games just uh you know, memories that i'm yeah, very fortunate to hold on to and, yeah. and won't won't uh won't forget
0: certainly <clears throat> yeah those are awesome i love so i love asking that question because it's always so different uh and the, the next thing i wanted to ask you uh and you mentioned it already but uh you've been with houston since day one i think you played in every yep. match that you know, every MLR match, every match that the Houston SaberCats have existed for, you've played in it. Um, you're the MLR's yeah. all-time leading scorer. The best ability is availability, as they say. Um, so how do you keep yeah. yourself available? Because um, I don't know if you know this about me, but Taylor Howden, your uh, new counterpart down in Houston, he's actually my yeah. sevens coach in high school, and I was always hurt. And he would let me know that I was always <laughs> hurt, and he, I was always banged up. I just couldn't stay on the field. So how do you stay on the field?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean, I'm, I take a fair bit of responsibility with the team, Uh uh, you know, or, you know, an unofficial leadership type role. So being fly half again, you know, I've got a, I've got a good idea of how we want to play and what our game plan should look like. So, you know, the only way to make sure that happens is for me to be out there orchestrating or playing or or trying to, trying to implement it. So uh, I guess, you know, there's no secret to it really, you know, treating treating injuries the way they should be treated. If it's a niggle, you know, get it looked after, do your rehab, uh, work on weak areas, you know, all that stuff kind of helps. But at the end of the day, you know, if, if you've got a little bump or a bruise, it's probably not going to prevent you from playing. So,
2: right. you know,
1: I played, you know, I played, you know all, all the MLR games and at times, you know, the majority of them I've, I've probably been carrying something that may or may not have needed surgery or probably would have been better if I'd had out, you know, a week out or two weeks out or given it time to kind of heal and, and get better. But... I think the luxury of the short season that we play in the M.L.R. is uh, is kind of what helps me stay on the field all season. So right. for Blackheath we play thirty thirty games in the season. Yikes. So it's thirty weekends <laughs> um, back in Australia, you'd play you'd play twenty to thirty games through club footy, through rep footy, um, and so I guess my body was conditioned to playing you know thirty up to thirty can you know physical decent level of rugby games a year. Right. Uh come to the come to America and yeah my you know, we played an eight game season year one, yeah. uh, sixteen game season year two. This was gonna be another sixteen game season. So, you know, my body gets the chance to recover uh in the off season. You know, I don't I haven't played sevens for a while so I'm not pushing my body through the summer mm-hmm. trying to play sevens or, or do anything else. Um, and then you see how the downtime when I get downtime it's just it's and and just Try and take your mind away from the game or whatever it might be. Um, so, I mean, there's no secret. It's you know probably a little bit of luck. Um, and as a fly half, I think you know you'd, you'd think I wouldn't make you know stay out of the contact too much. But I think if you if you look at some of the stats, I've made a, a decent number of tackles and yeah. carries and whatnot to, to kind of prove the uh, the critics wrong for sort of fly half. So, trying to wave the flag for the fly half community and the guys out there. That, <laughs> You know, maybe don't make as many tackles as they should Yeah, Um Lift up the yeah I mean, a little and bit. for me now yeah and that for me now is you know that helps me when, I, when it comes to goal setting or, or determination or motivation is okay I've, you know I've been you know, I've been the leading point scorer or you know whatever it might be is now okay well I don't want to relinquish that title I still want to be I still want to be relevant I still want to be at the top I still want to be the best or the best I can be so the older you get the harder that gets because you mm-hmm. get these young up and coming guys who are you know extremely talented, um, you know, have all the, the physical capabilities I wish I had even at their age. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's the motivation I use to stay on the field, to keep training, to get better, uh, just to ensure that, you know, I extend my career as long as I can. And uh, and I'm not, you know, being told to maybe hang up the boots um, as opposed to finish on my terms. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's always part of my thought process too, I guess.
0: Yeah, I hear that. That's a yeah. That was my issue too. I also played a little ten, but I was uh, didn't pass too much, so I'm running up in the in the trees, and I wasn't big enough, so (laughs) and it it added up for sure. But um, I know you just mentioned you talked about the season getting canceled. We talked about the top of the show too, but could you just kind of talk a little bit about how you were feeling about the season? You guys were down, you're having down in Houston. I know. Yeah. um, We got to see you up close and personal in that first week. Uh, beat up on the Raptors yep. a little bit. So the people in Denver might be a little familiar with you guys, but just how was, how are you feeling about it? And uh, when, when all the news kind of dropped in March?
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, new coaching staff stadium, had you know, been finished, uh, you know, pretty new roster, lots of new guys coming in. So you know, there was a good buzz around the organization about what was to come for us. Um, and, you know, we started great. It was weird, a weird start to the season because we had an 11 a.m. kickoff, which, you know, I haven't yes. played that early in the day since under 10, I think. Right. And um, leading up to the game, it just didn't sit well with me. I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, we're yeah. a professional team. we are starting at 11 o'clock?
2: Uh-huh.
1: But it turned out to be great, like, especially in Houston when it can be really hot and muggy and humid. An 11 o'clock kickoff, all done by one o'clock. Um, and we had a good win. So that probably helped the fact that, uh, you know, I wasn't too upset that we had to play at 11. But, you know, the history suggests, you know, I don't know how you look at it. And part of my mental I don't know, preparation or planning or even dealing with that, the win in round one was like, well, we, we won our first game in 2018. We won our first game in 2019. So, right. you know, I'm not getting too ahead of myself here because, you know, let's look how those seasons ended up. You know, that was the last game we won in year one. We didn't win after that. And then year two was about six weeks before we won again. Um so I didn't take the win for granted by any stretch, um, but kind of felt that even though we had a good finish to last season, there was still that inability to learn how to win. Uh, you know, we kind of forgotten about it. You know, it was a good end to 2019 when we won the last few games with with Paul Emmerich in charge.
2: Right.
1: think um, a lot of players changed. So we had a bunch of new guys come in and we still kind of had that lingering shadow, I guess, of, uh, of whether we're good enough to play it. And, you know, some calls went against us in the next round. That might have changed, changed the results. You know, we had a terrible first half against against Toronto in Vegas, uh, which basically cost us the game because we came out in the second half and we were a different team. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and then you know the, the you know the other results after that, you know, beaten by by New York and DC, and then and you know losing to Austin really stung. Um, but I think all that came down to just some inexperienced. Uh, and whatnot. So, you know, by no stretch was I worried that the season was over. You know, six games in, wow. um, and but I think we're kind of finding finding our groove a little bit uh, in terms of our preparation, our planning, and execution. Um, so we went into training. We were supposed to play Boston, play uh, New York or New England, sorry, in Boston that, that weekend, March 10th or 11th, I think, Paddy's Day weekend. So. Um, you know, there were whispers and rumors about, you know, what was going on. And obviously COVID had set in in other parts of the world by then. Uh, so we came into, uh, we came, I think we might have even done it. We might have even completed our captain's run mm-hmm. on the Thursday. And we were going to travel Friday to play Saturday. Um, so we finished our captain's run on the Thursday. And then not long after we finished the captain's run, I remember speaking to, I think, either Paul Healy, the coach, or the president and, and kind of the league, the league had made a decision to cancel that week's game.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So we called everyone everyone back in on the Friday uh, and said, listen, this is what's happening. Um, and we're not too sure about the rest of the season. And then subsequently, early the next week, or the week after that, uh, the league made the decision to, to cancel the season. So uh, really disappointing, I guess. And a lot of guys who were showing promise in our squad and across the league, you know, their opportunities are, are cut short. You got guys that were probably playing their last season and hadn't made the decision yet, but ultimately, you know, COVID had ended their professional careers and they didn't right. get a chance to play another game or you know, us losing to, to Austin and left a terrible taste in all our mouths so we can get an opportunity to put another, you know, a better performance on the field to kind of right the wrongs from the previous week and turn the season around. So uh it has to happen. You know, I'm glad they did that right. they cancelled because we've seen how things have unfolded across the world and, you know, it's been uh, it's been terrible. So uh, as, as unfortunate as it was for us to, to, to miss the rest of the season, it, it had to happen. And, yeah, it gives us a chance to, to move ahead of next year and, you know, start again, basically. We're going to park 2020. I think everyone's going to try and forget about the whole year and uh, and hope for better things next year. So, um yeah, a lot of I think everyone's of the same opinion that it you know, that it was really unfortunate. But uh Yeah, it's a season of what could have been really. Yep.
0: Yep, and you're right, that goes for everything this year. It's been it, it sucked for sure. Um, but one thing I know I have seen quite a quite a few people talking about thus far, um is just is the athlete collective and I saw that um You you had kind of announced that you had jumped on board with that, and I was just kind of wondering if you could explain what that is and and kind of how that opportunity to get involved with that came about.
1: Yeah, so um, Pete Steinberg, Dan Power, um, Shalom Sunil, Mike Petrie, James English, uh, Troy Hall, they all got together and and kind of put forward this idea of creating something for the players, by the players, Um, so a high-performance resource and service uh, aimed at developing the next best MLR players and Eagles mm-hmm. and then also helping the current crop of professionals and, and stars in the MLR and the Eagles continue performing at a high level and then also helping them with their transition to life after rugby. So um, from s and to strength and conditioning help to analytics on the games to yeah. health and wellness to mental health, nutrition, um, and then business opportunities, um, whether it's you know, financial uh, presentations or, or online learning webinars or stuff that, that you know we might not be getting through our teams or through our current lives due to you know, the lack of access or right. you know, the inability to, to go to school or go to classes or, or things like that. It's just a, yeah, it's a platform and a resource for for players to to maximise their potential not just not just on the field but then also off the field. So, uh, commercial opportunities, endorsements, partnerships um, provide yeah opportunities for them uh, yeah to kind of yeah. better themselves as players and and then and you know men and women off the field. We're very aware that you know the US women's seven and fifteen teams are super competitive and and uh and you know they're they're doing great things for for the game of rugby in this country as well. So um, you know we're looking to to you know branch out but you know we need to start somewhere and and then grow from there. So for yeah. me, yeah, Pete and uh Pete and reached out to me and asked if I'd you know be interested to get involved and for me it was a great opportunity because yeah, I'm older and mm-hmm. I need, you know, probably a little more help in some areas that you know, younger guys might not need help with, whether it is transitioning out of rugby or, um, or you know, extending my career through the help of our health and wellness coaches through Troy's wife, Sarah, or Molly Barton, or or,
2: right. or
1: Chris Toon, the s just to create either a different way of thinking or a different way of training or some exercises or, or programs that will suit my life and my body and the way I play. That might not, you know. It's all personalised and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I want to be feeling as fresh as I can on a, on a Friday before a Saturday game. Yeah. And then I want to reco- recover as quick as I can you know, after the game. So, you know, what does that look like? What will that take? So at the moment in the off-season, perfect opportunity to try and, you know, trial and error, basically what works, what doesn't work, what do I react well to, what don't I, how does my body react to this, how does my body react to that. So I'm um, super excited about where we can go with this. And then it's obviously a platform that we're advertising and selling to the people that want to be MLR players, guys whose right. college seasons might have been cancelled. You know, how can they get better? Just because there's no rugby doesn't mean you can't get better. It doesn't mean you can get faster. You can't get stronger. You can't get better um, and whatnot. So super excited and um, yeah, encourage everyone to jump online. Go to go check out the socials and the website and, and find out any information. And if they want to find out more, just reach out and i will be happy to, to point them in the right direction and yeah, help them along.
0: Yeah, I mean, that sounds awesome, and it kind of it kind of feels like what we were talking about a little bit earlier, too. It just seems like another way to grow your network and, and get put in contact with, with good people that are, you know, r- yeah. r- willing to help you, willing to help you get better as yeah. a person and as a rugby player.
1: And it comes back to what I kind of feel, you know, when I was jumping from club to club, I probably didn't invest as much time or effort in the sorts of things that the AC offers. So. Uh, personal development or my nutrition or my mental health or or just one-on-one and going to ask someone for some help or some advice on, on, on an area, whether it was S&C or playing or kicking. So, yes, we're members of the collective and we get these resources, but then as older members and more experienced members, we can also uh, mentor and help you know, the rookies coming through or younger guys who might need help with their kicking, their passing, their game management, whatever it might be, you know, it's our chance to give back to them and kind of impart some of our knowledge, um, which we probably didn't get when we were, you know, coming through the ranks. So to have guys like Connor Mooneyham and Aaron Matthews on board, um, it's sort of the brightest stars I guess to come out of college in the last year, uh, will hopefully encourage some of their teammates and, and guys they've played against, you know, in their fight to kind of look, look at what they've got and what they can have and what they can do to yeah. to kind of make it like Connor and Aaron have and some of the other players. So. Um, Right, really good opportunity for us and that's what's gonna help the game grow in the United States, you know. It's, sure. it's a massive country, it's a lot of players. Um and you know, we've called we're called the Athlete Collective because, you know, the best way to get results is as a as a collective, working together, collaborating, um, helping the development. Yeah. And ultimately helping players, you know, rep you know, play the best when it comes to representing their MLR teams and then putting the Eagles on the map, um and trying to get us up to where we know we can be as a, as a as a T1 nation, if you like.
0: Yeah, for sure. That sounds like an awesome opportunity and and a cool initiative that you guys have been working on in this off season. And I know uh, that's just one of the things that you've been up to. But what else have you been doing in this extended off season? How how's your golf game looking?
1: It's uh, it's actually getting a little bit better. <laughs> Houston has got some amazing golf courses, but yeah. <laughs> unless you get out before seven or eight AM in the morning, it's tough to play here. Right, I, can, I can't imagine. <laughs> couple couple of teeth but um, but yeah loving playing some golf. Uh, you know, especially when we're in the height of COVID I guess they haven't closed the courses here so yeah uh you know that provided an opportunity to get out of the apartment and get some air and, and, and do something other than play video games or watch Netflix or <laughs> play Zoom calls or do trivia or or whatnot. So a bit of golf. Um my wife she was in hospitality and she's now working from home in a different role so you know we took the opportunity to do some more you know, cook more and got to enjoy each other's company more and do other different things. So, you know, I'm super fortunate to be spending a lot more time with her and then around the house. And um, yeah, that's it. I haven't, I haven't done any travel as much, you know, not that there's been the opportunity to, but, you know, we're looking to maybe pack the car up and drive, drive up to, to New York to see some family yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Um, I've been training a fair bit, I guess, uh, trying to stay on top of my game. I've been working with another Aussie guy, Dane Roy, he was a, a punter for UH I football it. team. Oh, uh-huh, I've years. Seen that. He gradu- graduated last year. and um, So he's a free agent hoping to get an opportunity before he goes back to Australia. So it's tough in any field in Houston that you're allowed on, especially with COVID going around. So open up the doors for Aviva for him to come down and nice. and punt down there. Uh, and So for me, that was an opportunity to, to keep kicking as well. So two or three times a week, I was out kicking goals or punting or we just working on, you know, my skills and, and trying to get better, really. So, yeah. um, stayed pretty busy. Uh, and then, you know, with my role with the Sabercats, you know, we we're recruiting and, and planning towards next season. So working with the coaches and the, and the management, um, on a few different things here. And we're trying to get construction started on a gym at the Aviva Stadium so nice. we can have everything in the, in the one place and create that professional environment um for the players when they come back um later in the year
0: yeah i haven't made it down there to check it out yet but once everything is back to normal i would really like to so
1: yeah we were we were supposed to have i think usa uruguay was meant to be played at a stadium uh-huh. uh this week or next week i think yeah well, if we went back and looked at the calendar but obviously the arc got cancelled and we had to postpone that so it uh, gives us a chance to to do a little more development down there at the site and um, for sure. yeah, make sure we've got a nice pristine facility for for teams to come and play out and enjoy and fans to come and watch the game.
0: Yeah, all right, Sam. That's all the questions I had for you. So if you don't have any for me, I guess we can we can cut it off. But if not,
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously it's a shame that that, that the Raptors have to to pull out and this right. rugby in, in Denver looks a little bit different now than what it did even 12 months ago. So yeah. Um, yeah, what's you know, what's next? Obviously the Infinity Park's still still up and running and gonna be the the base for the high performance for, for the men's and, and uh women's 15s teams. But uh yeah. yeah, everything how's everything else up there?
0: It's good. Um, you know, no no real complaints. It has been a weird year, but it you know, it's been a weird year for everybody. Um from from the stuff I've heard I'm excited about, uh like what what's going on. But you know, I think the, the USA news is pretty exciting stuff and um, it's been, yeah. it's been fun to kind of, you know, get involved with that a little bit and as they come in, so hoping to do a little more content on all that, you know, when, when that all, all that stuff gets rolling. But again, it's just, it's not up to anybody, but, but COVID yeah. right now, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So, all right, Sam, how do people cool, get a hold man. of you?
1: Uh, yeah, they can, they can find me on, uh, on all socials, well, Instagram and Twitter is at Rook Windsor. Um. Yeah, jump online, give me a follow, shout out. If you need any any advice or want to talk about rugby, then just shoot me a message. And um, yeah, follow the Athlete Collective as well. Um, great, uh, yeah, great initiative that the, that the guys have put out, and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes over the next next few months.
0: Certainly, thank you, Sam. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Cheers, I appreciate it.
0: All right, I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Sam Windsor of the Houston SaberCats. Um, I know I certainly did. Like I say every week, thank you to Sam uh, for taking the time out of his day to help me out with this, chat with me for a few minutes. I would not be able to do this show without the help from the guests. They're immensely more interesting than the stuff that I have to say. So thank you to Sam. Really appreciate it. Like I mentioned before, it's good catching up with him. It's not It's been a while. Um, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Sam. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and jump in the required reading portion of the show. This one's going to be shameless self-promotion, but I don't care because it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, So I've been working on these pieces for the past few weeks, and I know I've been talking about them on the show quite a bit, Um, and I'm happy that they finally have gone live, so I'll talk about them for a little bit right here, and I encourage you all to go check them out. Of course, I have linked them into the article that houses the podcast. I've been a lot better about that in uh, recent weeks. So, the first one I want to talk about a little bit is spoke to Raptors head coach Pete Borlase about what it was like to try to run a team during the cancellation of the season. Said a lot of interesting things just about, you know, there was it was weird that, that those like two weeks, like all that was was happening. So, the Ra- I'll kind of give you a little breakdown, a little timeline. The Raptors beat the Toronto Arrows, whatever weekend that was. I think it was like March 6th or something. And then, oh, maybe March 8th. And then, you know, the next day, it was a Friday night match, so the next day was an off day. I went down and checked out the Merlins match, and it was just like a nice spring day. It was very sunny. There was a lot of people out there watching the, the Merlins play rugby. A lot of the members of the Raptors came out and watched. I know all the coaching staff was there. I saw Pete and Mark Bullock and Steve Brett. I saw, I saw everybody out there, um, and it was just a nice day, and it was uh, it was kind of the last normal weekend of rugby around here. So, you know, the week goes on as sort of normal at the beginning. I think Tuesday Pete was saying that he went home. He was feeling sick, so he went home from the facility. wasn't feeling that good, and he didn't get out of bed until Friday. And so when the season got postponed, I think that was on a Wednesday, the season got postponed for 30 days. Pete talks about how he was in bed. He thought he had COVID. Kind of gets over his bug. He didn't have COVID. He went and got tested. But he just talks about what it was like trying to have practices when, when it became very obvious that the season wasn't going to continue. And um, so it's a pretty interesting piece. It's, uh, it's kind of a long read. So I'd encourage you all to go check that out. Though I've been working hard on that for the last few weeks, and I was happy to see it finally go live. I set that live last Friday. And the second piece I was talking about, um, I wrote about the history of the Rugby Town Sevens. Again, it's a longer piece, but. Um, use some quotes from down from the podcast I did with him. Use some quotes from David Barry, who's the CEO of the Ramblin' jesters from the podcast that I did with him. Um, Talked to Glendale city manager, Linda Cassidy about, uh, you know, just the, the origin of the tournament and how it's evolved. And so it's kind of cool to hear, you know, about the, the praise that these established rugby sevens people, you know, give to this tournament because it is still relatively young, but the, they're not shy in saying that it is one of the best tournaments around and I would encourage you to check it out, too. It's the perfect time right before this weekend's rebroadcast, so um, check it out. I'd say read through that and then come join me down at the DNVR bar on Colfax in York, and we can talk a little bit about it. So that's kind of the two pieces of required reading this week. Um, like I said, I've linked those in the, uh, in the blog or in the article that houses this podcast, but you can also check it out at the DNVR.com. Make sure you just go check, click on the rugby tab. All my stuff's right there. So those are the last two things that should be up, aside from this podcast. Uh, and that's uh, that'll put the, the wrap on required reading for this week. And the last thing, how we always close out the show, is with the loop. So, again, just going to remind you all that this weekend's Rugby Town 7's rebroadcast will be shown at the NVR bar. Um, Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. First time we've had the opportunity to show any kind of rugby at the bar. So it's going to be fun. Um, you know, the bar, the... The bar opened really, right, as I think, yeah, that's that same week that I'm talking about when when Pete had, thought he had COVID. You know, a season got postponed on Wednesday. bar had the grand opening on Friday. So just unfortunate timing for the for the rugby um, broadcast at the bar. But this will be the first time we get to show anything like it. Like I said, be there both days. Come say what's up. I'll be a little late on Saturday as I've got some stuff to take care of in Boulder on Saturday morning. I should be there around noon. I'll be there the rest of the day. And just remember to RSVP on the Eventbrite links because we're only allowed 50 people. So you'll need to reserve your spot because of COVID. So uh, remember, just follow us on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rugby, at Golden is my personal. Um, any questions you have, we haven't had a mailbag in a while. Send in any questions you got about what's going on. Be happy to answer them. So with that, everybody, that's my show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.